Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. So what I want to talk about today is a thing that, uh, a picture of what this kind of looks like in our life is this. A lot of what I just said, peace, joy, love, security, wholeness, all of these things God deeply desires for you to walk in. He died on a cross so that you could have that in him. But a lot of us here are not experiencing that. And what we're going to talk about today is one of the things that it's almost like, you ever see like a dam of uh, like a big thing of water and there's just that wall that's keeping the water back, right? If you ever see like, I don't even know, like a Transformers movie or something wild where they're like having a fight and the dam breaks and then it just turns into a waterfall, right? What we're going to get into tonight really is like one of the things that is a a dam in a lot of our hearts who you might be a Christian, you might have a relationship with God, but there is something that's keeping all that God has for you from flooding into your life. And you're kind of like, you have all of this water up here, there's the dam, and then at the bottom, it's just dry. And that may be where your heart is tonight. And so we're going to just get straight into the passage. Um, Can we put up the verse from John 15 up? This is a super familiar passage. We talk about this a lot, but we're taking a different angle on it tonight. So starting in, uh, you know what? Let's pray really quick, and then we're going to get into the word. God, we welcome you here tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us this opportunity to come here, open our hearts to you, meet you, have your truth come and transform us, come and be in your body and experience love and community. And tonight, God, we present the rest of this night to you, Lord. We don't want to just have a good meeting. We don't want to just make connections. We want to meet you, and we want you to work in our hearts. We want you to make truth real so that we could see what it means to trust you and live in everything you have for us. Help us tonight. Help me with what I'm about to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so in John 15, verse 4, it says this. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, 
your joy will overflow. All right, so reading through that, we see two things that we could just start highlighting. Jesus is saying, my desire for you is that my love, literally the same love that God the Father has for God the Son, Jesus, he says, I have for you, and I want you to tangibly experience it. It's what your soul was made for. All you're chasing after are just shadows of the real thing, which is my love, and I want you to be in it, to experience it, for it to satisfy you. A little bit later, it says, and that my joy, my joy, the joy of God will be yours. Your joy will be made complete. And so we see this picture of what it means to know God, to walk with him, have a relationship with him, where this is supernatural. Experiencing a depth of contentment, love, joy that you cannot find anywhere in the world. It's so deep, it transcends the suffering of life. It transcends the ups and downs. It is this like deep foundation that God wants us to walk in and experience daily. So if that's God's will, what is the qualifier that he puts on it for us to be able to experience it? He says this, when you remain, uh, remain in my love, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. And so tonight that gets to the main thing we're going to be talking about. We are going to be talking about obedience to God. So in this verse, we see him say, do you want to remain in my love? You have to obey me. Holiness is not optional if you want to live in what I have for you. I don't fit into your world. You don't get to just call the shots on what your life looks like, what you want, how you want everything to line up, and then just say, now God, fit in where you can get in. God says, if you want me, you have to fit into my world. You can't use me and get the things that I want to give you without actually having an environment in your heart, in your life, that's suitable for a holy God. And so God, looking at all of us, says tonight, do you want to experience this love, this joy, way more, this power, all of these promises, like this intimate experience of God in your life? You can't have that on your own terms. It only comes through obedience. And so you may hear that and say, okay, well, I'm a Christian. I've already put my faith in Jesus. So why, isn't this not about works? Like, isn't that legalism? You're telling me I have to change who I am to have a relationship with God? And so tonight, one of the most foundational important things we need to understand in our relationship with God is this. There is a difference between relationship and fellowship. What is relationship? It's this. I have put my faith in Jesus, and now I am a son and a daughter of God. You can't experience the love of God without becoming a son or a daughter of God. But just because you're a son or a daughter of God doesn't mean you're experiencing the love of God. But what this means... so. You might hear this and say, okay, so does this mean I have to be really good? I have to be holy and really, like, live a good life, stop doing bad things, start doing more good things, and that's how I become a child of God. That's how I become a son and I get close to God. 
No, that is the opposite of what we're saying here. The beginning of the passage that we just read said, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? So if the standard for me to have a relationship with God is me obeying him and being good, God himself looks at you and me and says, you can't even do that. Like a lot of people I talk to who come in here and may have had some kind of background in church, maybe is beginning to feel this thing of like, I want to have a relationship with God, but I don't really get how this all works. A lot of times I ask and I'm like, so what do you think? How do you think this plays out? How do you get from where you are to having like a real relationship with God? And it's always like, yeah, I got to stop doing that. I guess like you got to like love people right. And like if you just do that and you don't do that, then you're good. No. God himself looks at us and says, what I require of you, you could never do for me. So if you're going to have a relationship with me, it can't be based on what you give me because it'll never be good enough. Friends, that's the point of the gospel. You and I couldn't give God what he required, the perfection, to have a relationship with this holy God. But because he loves us so much, right, he gave us Jesus. And now when you and I put our faith in Jesus, we, he takes our record, he gives us his, and now what that means is through literally just trusting God, you are now a child of God. What that means for your life is you have absolute access to God. Before where God is looking at you and responding to you based on how good you were, which was never enough, so you're cut off from God. Now because you've received Jesus, there is nothing that separates you from God. God says there's no like degrees where you're more of a child or you're less of a child. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you have as much access to God as any human who's ever lived. That's what it means to have a relationship with God. But just because you have a relationship with God does not mean you have fellowship with God. So what does that mean? So I was thinking about this this week. My dad, he is a pastor. He is a man of the cloth. He is a godly gentleman. And I remember in high school, I'm chilling in the basement, and I could just feel like he wanted to spend time with me and connect and uh, he ends up coming down, and he just has this energy of like, hey, what's up, man? And I'm sitting there, and he, like, walks in on me watching just, like, some, some like, wild stuff. Like, it was, I think, like, some zombie whatever. And he, like, walks in to literally somebody getting, like, eaten pretty much. And I remember he, like, walked in and was so excited to see me and kind of looked at the screen and was just like, <laughs> and just kind of, like, went back upstairs. And so I think in that moment, when he went upstairs, did that mean that I wasn't his son anymore? No. But to him, and I wasn't having fellowship, and I wasn't near him and able to enjoy his presence? Yes. I could say, well, Dad, you come and do what I want to do. This is what I want to watch, so you come and just hang out with me and deal with it. Is that not what we do with God very often? We say to God, this is my life. This is what I want. Now, God, you just come along with me. But God is not going to follow us a lot of the places that we want to go. And so we're trying to drag him along, but it comes to a point where he stays there, and then I end up letting go of his hands, and I keep going. And it's not that God left me. It's that I left him. And so that's the difference between relationship and fellowship. You can have God as your father. But that does not mean that you have him as 
the, the close presence of him being near you, meeting your needs, filling you with this love and with this joy. And so pretty much the point of what we're getting at here is this. I cannot hold on to sin and expect God to get along with my program. I can't force him into a place that Jesus died on a cross to deal with. And for a lot of us today, the fact that we are walking in sin that God has put his finger on, and we felt it, but we hardened our heart, and we said, I'm going to do my thing. This is what I want. Then you wonder, where's the peace? Why am I so anxious? Why am I depressed? Why do I feel so hopeless about my life all of a sudden? Can I tell you, that's not the love and joy that comes when you're near the Father. When you're near the Father, his love settles your heart. And when you see this chaos beginning to stir inside of you, one of the first things that I want to encourage you and challenge you to look at is, well, maybe you have made your heart a place that he can't dwell. You're mad at him saying, why are you holding out on me? And he's like, I'm knocking at the door, but you won't let me in because you're letting this thing in instead. And so what do we do when we find ourselves in a place where we're far from God and we know, okay, I've blown it. I've made my heart a place that's hard. God can't come and hang out with me in the stuff that I'm giving myself to right now. What do we do in that place? Do I make promises and try really hard? And I say, this is the equal and opposite thing. I'm going to go out. I'm going to preach on a subway tonight. I'm going to go serve with Justin. I'm going to really read the Bible. And, you know, we start thinking of these things in our minds of, like, this is how I cancel out the sin that I just did, right? And if I do enough good, then God is going to be like, all right, you're good again. You're back with me. Can I tell you? The good things that we do never, can never make up for the sin that we've done. If you're going to come to God with the stuff that you've done that's broken fellowship with him, where you've made it so that he can't really fill you and bless you and give you his strength and his peace, and you say, see, God, look at this. I've done this for you. So now are we good again? God doesn't accept that currency. If you try to buy a relation back, relationship back with him through the good things that you do for him, then you're actually going to stay stuck where you are. That disconnected fellowship is going to remain. And this is a verse I want to share with you guys tonight that actually is one of the most like, life-changing verses that I've heard in my life. It's in 1 John 1.9, if we could throw that up really quick, where it says this, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. And so pretty much what's that, what this is saying is this. When I've broken fellowship with God because of the sin that I've done, I can't earn forgiveness for it. Only Jesus can. And this is the beautiful thing about the gospel. If you're here today and you've put your faith in Jesus, this is what God has secured now for your life. Every sin that you commit that breaks fellowship with God, God is so merciful. He loves you so much. Even though we continue to disregard him, we owe him everything, but we just keep on doing our thing, living for ourselves, he still is waiting there. And it's just like, you, yes, you've disqualified yourself for me, but I love you. And all you have to do is just own, yes, this was sin. Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me. And then watch that thing that was blocking me from being able to fill you. I'm going to cleanse it in a second. 
You're not going to have to try hard. It's not going to take three weeks. You're not going to have to go into a program. The moment you just say, God, that was wrong. I sinned against you. I broke fellowship with you, and I own the fact that I've made it impossible for you to really be able to fill me the way that you want to. God, forgive me. I turn from this, and I turn to you. Here I am. The Bible says in that moment, you are cleansed and forgiven. So what does that mean? Now you have complete access to intimacy and fellowship with God. Do you realize that's what you and I need in our life? The only thing that's going to get us through the battles, through the wildness, the storms, the weaknesses within ourselves, the attacks from the world, the only thing is fellowship with God. Just having a relationship with him is amazing. You need it, but that's not enough. If you have a relationship with him, but you're living like the prodigal son who's living in the pigsty, when his dad has the feast waiting for him at home, what good is it doing you, who you're, him being your father, if you're cutting yourself off from the love that he wants to fill your heart with? And so what we need today is fellowship with God. In fellowship with him, in being close to him, there is peace, joy, love, strength. Read the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of that he is saying I'm going to do in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if the sin that blocks you from fellowship with me is dealt with, you've confessed it, now there's anything you ask will be given to you. When I'm in a place of fellowship with God, when my sin is dealt with, when I'm living in unrepentant sin and I'm doing my thing, then, yeah, there may be some challenges in having intimacy with God. Can I tell you how many times in my life I have been cold in my heart, I've been frustrated, I've been discouraged, and I'm like, what's wrong here? And then as I just begin to, like, wait on God, I'm like, all right, God, what's the deal? Then he begins to just put something in my mind of, remember what you did to that person two days ago? Remember that thing, that, that mentality that you're still holding on to, that, fresh, that anger, the bitterness, the lack of forgiveness, lust? And when I see that, I'm like, oh, God, like, forgive me. Like, I see I've made my, my home I'm trying to have you live in a home that's filthy. So, Lord, here it is. Forgive me. And then you do that, and then you just watch the dam break, like heaven opens up over your life. That's really my encouragement for you guys today, is how can we expect this holy, beautiful, loving God to meet our needs, fill our soul, do all of these amazing things when we're trying to get him to live in our garbage we try to bring him into our pig pen when he's trying to bring us into the palace, right? And that's why when we begin to see this, we begin to see holiness is happiness. <laughs> holiness is freedom. A lot of times we think of obeying God as the thing that's coming for our joy. But in reality, obeying God is the thing that brings us the joy that our heart is actually looking for. When you turn from God and you're doing your own thing, it brings you pleasure for a moment, but you will never know peace. You keep going back to the same thing over and over again. It's never enough. When you realize that that's your pig pen and you say, God, forgive me, help me. I need you to come and do, apart from you, I can do nothing. Here's my life. I'm giving you access to it. If I'm not confessing the sin that I'm holding back from him, I'm not giving him access to the thing that he wants to help. And so I say, God, here I am. Here, I'm in this pig pen. This is garbage. I'm eating garbage right now. Forgive me, cleanse me, and now help me. 
and then you just see the Father bring you into what he has for you. And so now as we, uh, I'm not going to say as we begin to close because I'll have to say that probably another two times. I'll hold that one for a sec. Um, So when we talk about obeying God, what does that actually mean? Number one, we all know this. It's the Bible, right? The Bible itself says that it is the standard. It's sufficient for all teaching, rebuking, encouraging, correcting for godly living. So I don't build my understanding about what's true, about what matters in life, about who I am, who God is, based on my feelings, based on what the world around me says. It's either the Bible is the word of God or it's an absolute joke. It's either a lie and it's irrelevant or it's the truth and it is the only thing that matters as you're trying to understand what life is really about. And the struggle for a lot of us is this. We come to the Bible and we say, I like that part. I like the thing of, okay, so like, yeah, you love me. I like, I like peace. That's nice. Um, but, oh, I don't like what you say about sex. I don't like what you say about unforgiveness. I don't like what you say about sexuality. It's just, this thing works for my life and my kingdom. God, this is already what I'm doing, and there's parts of what you've got going on that I think might fit into what I've got going on. So, come on in. The thing is, if that's the way you're approaching God and his word, you will never know the peace of God. You will have what the Bible calls a form of godliness that has no power. You might be a church person. You might be able to write inspirational spiritual quotes that people are like, yeah, so good. That does not mean that you know a thing about the peace of God for your own life. Do you want to know the peace of God? He needs to be your God. How is he your God? By obeying and saying, not my will, but yours be done. I'm not the God of my life. You are. And so when we look at God's word, that is the standard. Some things where it's like, ah, I don't know, like, is this bad? Like, should I not be doing that? And literally there's like 15 verses written about it. And you're just like, ah, I just, I just like, I don't know. It's like, uh, yes, you do. You don't want to know. And so we can't pick and choose. It's either God's way. He's either the God of my life or I'm the God of my life. If I'm the God of my life, see what that produces for you. The second thing is this. We have to, first, we have to obey the word. Second, we have to obey the spirit. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was sent to the world to convict the world of sin. The Bible says the spirit will lead us into all truth. The Holy Spirit was given to us because apart from him, we can do nothing. But now through him, we could do all things. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will give you the mind of Christ. He'll renew your mind and help you reframe your life. And the stuff that you, so many people here in this room, like I've gotten to know some of you for a long enough time now. We're like two years ago, the conversations we were having, you were, the stuff you were saying was wild. <laughs> like, like now we, sometimes we talk and you look back and you're just like, dude, what was I saying there? But it's because that's what happens. When you actually begin to seek God and you begin to obey the Holy Spirit and you begin to respond to what he's moving in your heart, he begins to open your eyes and you actually begin to see the life you were designed to live in God. 
Holiness is the only way you can flourish. And God begins to show you, this is real life. This is what it means. When you follow me, you find what you were made for. So do this. Let me help you with this. Let me help you with that. So a lot of us want to have rule. And we're like, all right. So it says uh, that you can't do this and you can't do that. But it doesn't say anything about this. The Bible doesn't say that I can't watch this. I haven't seen a verse that specifically lists this grimy show that I'm watching. So perhaps it's okay. The, <laughs> the issue for a lot of us is, yes, the Bible gives us the guardrails. It gives us the truth. But we also have the spirit who the Bible says writes the law of God on our hearts. And so as we're trying to navigate, if you're actually in a place where you're saying, God, I want you. I want to have fellowship with you. Anything that's in me that I could get caught up in that could block me from you, I'm done. I'm off it. Help me see what that is and give me the strength to not do it. Let's go. If that's where you are, then you begin to walk through life. And there are things that begin to happen. You find yourself in certain circles. You find yourself listening to certain things, watching certain things, posting certain things. And as you just go to do something, the Holy Spirit just, you know, this is off. This is not God. But funny, what a lot of us end up doing in that moment is we look around and we're like, okay, but those people are Christian and they do it. And there's not a verse that really says anything about that. So, yeah, I just felt a, a deep burning conviction in my stomach. But, you know, it's probably, uh, you know, I had Taco Bell about two months ago <laughs> and could have been that, you know. Where the bottom line is this. If I actually want to walk in intimacy with God, the Bible says this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So there are things that as we're walking through our lives that we begin to start getting close to, things that we actually do in the moment. In the moment we do it, the Holy Spirit just tells us, this is not the home that I can dwell in. I, I will forgive you. I will help you. I'll give you strength. But if you hold on to this thing, you're choosing that instead of me. And so for a lot of us here, one of the things that would actually change our lives, like a lot of times people come to me and they're like, what do you think about this? Is this okay? And I'm like, have you asked God about that? And a lot of us don't want to ask God about it. And what does that say about that thing itself? If you're scared of asking God about something in your lifestyle, probably a horrible thing that you're getting involved in, right? Probably something that God is already convicting you on, and that's why you're scared in the first place. If you're going to live a life where you're unsurrendered, and you're letting your heart grow hard to the things that the Spirit is grieving you and saying, I can't go this way. And you just say, no, I'm cool. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to small group. Again, good luck knowing the peace of God. This is, this is serious, what we're talking about here. This isn't just some light thing. How you honor what God is convicting you of in your heart is really the thing that's going to determine your life. How you obey what the Spirit leads you to do is going to set the course of your entire life. And so one of the most important, beautiful, essential things we need to look to tonight is, where is my heart before God? In my lifestyle, have I laid everything before him? Have I really said, God, these friends, these, the way I go out, the stuff I watch, the stuff I post, the stuff I listen to, have I brought this to you and said, God, does this grieve you? And if you haven't, then I warn you tonight, please, in the name of Jesus, offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice. If you actually believe this is true, then this is what will bring freedom and life and the life you were created for. Amen? 
so there's one last thing before we begin to close now. Uh, so one other thing that I think is helpful as we're trying to figure out what's right, what does obeying God look like? The Bible also introduces this other idea of what is right is what is most loving to those around us as well. There's a situation in 1 Corinthians where there was food that was offered to idols, that there were certain people that because of their Judaism that they'd come out of, they were so convicted over that, and they said, we can't touch this food. Paul had a revelation of what the gospel meant, and he said, I have zero issue doing this. This is clean. There is nothing that um, I'm not losing anything by going this way because of what the gospel means for my life now. But there are people who are still struggling through this themselves. And one thing Paul says is, I won't even eat meat if that means that these people are going to have to struggle or I'm going to put them in a position where they might slip up and fall, where they haven't actually worked out in their conscience yet what God is leading them to do in this. Um, And so with that being said, something that we have to talk about tonight is in our convictions, something that's really important is this. You may have faith to do something. What, what do I mean by that? Having brought something to God and saying, Lord, is this okay? Can I do this in faith knowing that this isn't grieving you? And as you do that, maybe it's not something that the Bible explicitly condemns and you're just like, I really believe as I presented this to God that this is something I can do. But you know it's something that's kind of borderline or something that could potentially cause somebody to get confused or stumble in some way. It's reckless to flaunt that in the face of your brothers and sisters. I'm going to be very practical, and some of you guys might disagree with me on this, but I actually think this is really important to say tonight. One real example of this is alcohol. So does the Bible say you can't drink? Obviously not. Like, if I'm here and I'm telling you that it's a sin to drink, that is me preaching essentially a false gospel. I'm telling you that there's something added to the gospel that's not there. Like, obviously, the Bible makes it clear, alcohol is not a sin. But is getting drunk a sin? Of course. And are so many people under the control and under the power of alcohol in their lives? Are so many people in this room coming out of backgrounds and histories where that is something that has destroyed their lives, their families? And when we are in church settings, like what you do behind closed doors between you and the Lord in a moderate way, is none of my concern. But when we're all hanging out and the who's who, what they're coming from, what their background is, and maybe you're putting certain things in front of their faces, you're, we're beginning to drink or do different things, I'm just telling you I've been in ministry long enough to see that so many people who are coming and beginning to trust Jesus, that's something that can actually destroy people. A lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, wait, that's what it means to actually be strong in God. So that's what I have to do. So once I actually get close enough to God, then I'm going to be able to, even though this was like a thing that destroyed my life before, I, I'm going to get to a point where I'm strong enough. And they just keep on trying and then keep falling. And then life begins to spiral out and blow up. And the reality is maybe God has given you peace to drink, but that doesn't mean he's given everybody here peace to do that. There are certain people where that's a struggle, right? Right? And so in that sense, we have to be so wise and protective and loving over our brothers and sisters that the way, this is just one example, but there's so many other things we could put under this umbrella. The way that we conduct ourselves and the things we put out there publicly for people around us to see, we have to say, is this loving? Is this protective? I hope you hear my heart in this. This is not me saying, 
Drinking is a sin. But it's a sensitive thing that we have to really be like, God, what is the godly way of approaching this with people in sensitive situations? Does that make sense? Um, and so that applies to a lot of different things. But again, one thing, how do I know if, if this is pleasing to God? Is it loving to others? Um, and so as we close, this is the, the final thing I want to bring us to tonight. So you hear all of this. Maybe some of us understand what the gospel means for this, and it's convicting but encouraging. Maybe other people hear this, and it just feels discouraging because you're just like, I do all of the things that I know I'm not supposed to do, and I've tried to stop, and it hasn't worked. And so now you're telling me that me having a relationship with God is dependent on me stopping things that I've tried and failed in doing. And so I can understand how hearing something like this could be really discouraging because it's just like, so is there no hope for me? Those people can have a relationship with God, but me, I'm stuck. And what I want to encourage you with tonight is this. That verse that we started reading today began with, apart from me, you can do nothing. And what that means is none of us can actually obey God the way that he requires of us. You might look at other people and say, oh, they've got their stuff together. But they are a person, you are a person, and Jesus has looked at us all and said, my standard, you are completely incapable of walking out. So the Bible says all of us have sinned. All of us are stuck in our sin. But God loving us so much came in human flesh, died on a cross, lived the obedient life. The only obedient life to ever walk on earth was Jesus and what he did in dying for our sins and resurrecting and giving us now his spirit when we put our faith in him. The only one who has ever been obedient now lives in you if you've put your faith in Jesus. That is the hope of the gospel for my life and your life tonight. You may look at your life and see a series of attempts and failures. And God looks and says, yes, that's who you are. You're never going to succeed. Walking in obedience to this life that I've called you to live is something you can't do. Only I can do through you. And the reason why you failed and failed and failed is because you haven't actually learned what it means to let me do that through you. You're still trying to do what only I can do. The point of the gospel, the point of what we're getting at here tonight is this is important. We need to walk in obedience. That's the only way we can have a relationship with God in an intimate way, yet we can't be obedient. That's why Jesus came. And now what Jesus says to us is this. The sins that you walk in, in your relationship with me, the way that you grieve my spirit, break fellowship with me, he says, confess your sins. I'll forgive you and cleanse you. And as you're clean, then you become a home I can live in. And when I live in you, you will bear much fruit, like that verse said. Remain in me, and I remain in you, and you will do the impossible. You will live this supernatural, holy life with new heart, new desires, new strength that you could never do on your own. But now, because of you trusting me, you're going to see power that you couldn't have ever imagined through your life. You need to understand what that means for your life today. Like, if you're hopeless, and you don't really think that this is real and you're just kind of stuck here, you don't get the gospel. The, Jesus came, the Bible says the truth will set you free. 
You need to say, Jesus, help me to see the truth of what this means, that I can depend on you. I can just confess my sin, give you my heart, depend on you, and you're going to come and fill me, transform me, help me to walk day by day this life I could never live on my own. And as I do that, I'm just going to see a life of beauty and blessing. That is God's heart for you today. And so we can begin to have the band come up. But this is what I want to close with today. If you're here and hearing this, really the things that were kind of laid out was this. Number one, God, you need God's help. He helps you through filling you. But he can't fill a filthy home. Does he fill perfect homes? Well, none of us are ever going to be perfect. So if that's the standard of him filling us, we're stuck. He doesn't fill perfect homes. He fills clean homes. And what Jesus wants to do today is wash you in his blood. Though your sins are scarlet, he will make them white as snow, the Bible says, right? When you take the things that you know that you've done wrong, that have broken fellowship with God, and you say, God, have mercy on me. I know I've broken this thing that you want to do inside of me, and I can't make up for it. I can't be good enough. But here I am. Forgive me cleanse me, and now fill me. This is my final encouragement. You, the thing that God has been putting his finger on in your heart, you need to do it now. The thing, the relationship he's calling you to break, the unforgiveness that has just been a poison inside of you, the resentment, the anger, the, it it could be so many things, right? But All of us know there's something that we see that we have continued to walk in and hold on to, and that is broken fellowship with this holy God. And God is just like, will you get on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me tonight. Make my my heart your home. And now come and fill me. As you do that, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to transform you. He's going to change everything. But you have to get in your heart. You've got to respond to what he's convicting you of, and you've got to confess it now. And so I want to give time right now for us to be able to do that. We're going to just begin to sing a song. Can Lynette actually just come up? It's going to be short. Lynette's going to just lead us in the song, Oh, Come to the Altar, right? The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And as we begin to sing that, if you are here and there's something that as you've heard this, God has been speaking to you and just saying, I'm stuck because of me, because of the stuff that I am trying to hold on to and squeeze you into my life over. God is saying, it's not that you change yourself. You don't make yourself strong or good tonight he said confess it and turn to me and let me fill you if you're here tonight and there's something that God has put his finger on in your heart and you want to confess it to Jesus and say Lord cleanse this house would you stand up as Lynette begins to sing this song stand up as a statement to God and as you do just say in your heart God this is the thing I confess this to you today Lord cleanse me of this thing and fill me with your Holy Spirit let's begin to sing And so we're about to leave, but this is actually just the final thing I'm going to leave you guys with. So what we said today of when we sin, when we confess, he's faithful to forgive and cleanse. That's not just a thing we do in an altar. That's not a thing we do every couple years. 
the beautiful thing about Jesus is every time that we fall or we slip, the throne of grace is open and he gives us mercy and grace in that moment. And so the best time to confess sin is when you do it. We don't have to wait. You don't have to sit in it, feel shame for a couple weeks to make sure you really feel bad. Bring your sin to Jesus. He will forgive you and cleanse you. And we need to be a people that live a lifestyle of repentance, a lifestyle of confession. And so thank you guys for being here tonight. If you need prayer or you just want to talk with somebody, we're going to have some people. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at SanctusNYC.